Dear Lord, how thankful we are that you've blessed us to be together in this place and on this day. We ask that you would anoint us with a rich word for your people, that they may endure and overcome, and walk in power and walk in victory. Amen. We want to speak today from the subject, Love the Lord. And we're going to read from several scriptures. The first will be Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And also in Revelation chapter 2, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven candlesticks. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. You've tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and you have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen, repent, and do your first works. I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And finally, in Psalm 31, verse 23, Oh, love the Lord, all you his saints, for the Lord preserves the faithful and fully repays the proud person. The Apostle Paul came to Ephesus on his third missionary journey and he preached the gospel in that city for almost three years. It was there that he met those disciples of John the Baptist, and he asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Twelve men accepted Jesus Christ on that day. They were baptized in water, and they, filled, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. God anointed Paul in a special way while he was in Ephesus. Special miracles were performed, the sick were healed, demons were cast out, handkerchiefs were carried from Paul to the sick, and miraculously the sick would be healed. Magicians and witchcraft workers brought their books by the thousands and burned them before all men. When you really meet Jesus, you burn all that stuff that's contrary to his will. And so Paul preached until the whole city was stirred. All of Ephesus, even all of Asia, heard the gospel. They had a zeal which made them tell it everywhere. The magnificent temple of Diana was almost empty, and her silver images set on the shelves unbought. When the silversmiths saw their trade on the rocks, they launched a great persecution against believers. And despite it all, a great church was established and the gospel flourished in Ephesus. Their church was known all over the world for the vitality and devotion to God that characterized their life. They loved God so much that they made a complete break from their former life. They had wholly dedicated themselves 
to the Lord. And Paul met with the elders of the, of the church a year later and found them still full of zeal and devotion. In Acts 20, 17, he warned them about teachers of false and wicked doctrines who would come to divide, to divide and destroy the church. When he departed, he encouraged them to continue to do the work of the Lord with a passion. They wholly gave their lives to Jesus Christ, who had died for them. And many years later, Jesus complimented them for their possessing some of these very fine attributes described in the text. Verse 2, he said to them, I know thy works, and I labor. And then in the last part of the verse, verse 3, for my name's sake, you have labored, and you have not fainted. They were a working church. Their fault was not that they did not work. So many do the wrong work, and so many do it for the wrong reason. But these works for the sake of Christ's name. This is why we should work. And their fault was not that they did not continue to work. So many make a good start, but they do not continue. This church did not faint or give up and fast and not fainted. And then they were patient. They could persevere. They were able to endure persecution and hardship. They were quick to deal with persons within the church who were evil and wicked. And in 1 Thessalonians 3 and 6, the Bible encourages us, withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. They also were not deceived by false teachers or those who called themselves apostles. In 1 John 4 and 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have come out into the world. Verse 6 informs us that they rejected the beliefs and practices of the Nicolaitans, who under the cloak of Christianity practiced immorality. But this church was on guard against them. They were very nice. They were very precise. But Christ said, something is missing. You have left your first love. You don't love me as much as you did at first. They had doctrinal purity, but they were not fervent in their love. They were mechanical in their obedience. No real enthusiastic vigor or excitement about their faith. The first affection of men toward Christ and holiness and heaven is usually lively and warm. But these lively affections will decline if preventative action is not taken. Christ is grieved whenever his people grow cold toward him. And in every book of the Bible, God informs his people that he expects them to love him and to seek his will. Deuteronomy 6 and 5, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And then in Mark 12, 29, Jesus repeated these words. And Jesus said, this is the first real commandment. In Luke 11 and 42, 
Jesus rebuked the Pharisees, though they did many good, spectacular things, they neglected judgment and love of God. So the question that Jesus asked Simon Peter time and time again was, Simon, do you love me? And God sorrowfully rebukes the disciples through Jeremiah, when he said, I remember the kindness of your youth, the love of thine heart, but they were now so cold and so unresponsive to God that all God had was a memory of lost love. When the church at Laodicea grew lukewarm in love and service, Christ warned them. Their lack of love made him sick. Their perseverance was unpleasant and made him feel uncomfortable. And unless they changed, he was going to cast them away. But in the text, he rebukes the church of Ephesus because their love was not as strong as before. God demands our love. And in Psalm 31 and 23, O love the Lord, all ye saints. The most beautiful emotions expressed in the Bible is the love men expressed toward God, his law, and his house. David said, David said, my soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. And he said, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplication. And Paul said, I count all things but dung that I may win Christ, that I might know him. Love is the only motive for service of God that is acceptable unto God. Love is greater than we are. And none of us would be satisfied with a mate whose faithfulness was based on fear. None of us wants a mate who lives with us just for the comforts and advantages that we provide. None of us is pleased with a mate to whom the privileges of matrimony have become empty formalities. We would say either love me or leave me. Nothing is more miserable than a home where mutual love is absent. We cannot please God unless we love God. And man looks on the outward, but God looks on the heart. And God's greatest reward and blessings are set aside for those who love him. Love my possessions and I'll give you nothing. Love me, and I'll give you everything. The Bible says, set your affection on things above. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. The Lord preserveth all them that love him. And again in Romans 8 and 18, we are told, that all things work together for good to them that love God. Yes, God's greatest rewards are set aside for them that love him. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But beyond his love is the only adequate motive for the life dedicated to God. Fear will not sustain you, for in a moment of boldness you will forsake God. Desire for selfish gain will not keep you, for the devil can lure you away 
with the treasures of the world. Habit will not preserve you, but the sin habit will overcome your best efforts every day. But if you love me, the Lord said, keep my commandments. Only love will keep you when nobody is watching. Only love will keep you when you know you could get away with it. Only love will go beyond the call of duty and make every sacrifice. Love does not worry about the bill. It's just happy to pay it off. Love is not so concerned about what it's going to get. It just gives and gives and gives. Love does not keep score or punch a time clock. Love does not wait for wages. Perfect love casts out fear. It will comfort and challenge, climb in a mountain, forge in a stream. Love transcends time, for a day with one's beloved is like a moment. Love transcends value, for kings will leave their throne for love. Love transcends self-concern, for a man will risk his life and even give his life for love. And so this is why the Apostle Paul could say, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You should love God because God first loved you. When you were a slave to sin and disfigured by the disease of sin, when you were worthy of death and doomed to die, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When you were unworthy and undeserving, God loved you and gave his Son for you. I don't know why he loves me. I don't know why he cares. I don't know why he sacrificed his life. Oh, but I'm glad. I'm glad that he did. You should love the Lord because he is the only one who really, really loves you. Satan is the deceiver going to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. But Jesus said, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. You should love the Lord because he has done so much for you. You should love him because he is the desire of your soul. You'll never find peace until your soul is united with God. I cried and I cried. I moaned and I moaned. I searched and I searched, but I couldn't find anything like serving the Lord. Try everything but you won't be satisfied until you have Jesus. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in God. You should love God because he is the only hope for survival in this world. I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. I'll sail the wild seas no more. The tempest may sweep or the wide stormy deep, but in Jesus I'm safe evermore. Many have forgotten what God expects from us. We feel that he's pleased just because we show up for church. He's pleased because we give an offering. We feel that he should be satisfied when we live a good life and say we're his. 
but God's expectations go beyond the visible surface and they penetrate the mind, the heart, and the emotions. He goes beyond what you do to the level of why you do it. He demands our love and will be satisfied with nothing else. He's grieved when he sees our love growing cold. For when we lose our first love, the vitality of our efforts for Christ will also decrease. And so in the text he said, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent and do thy first works over again. You've fallen. You think you're standing up, but you've fallen. You still come to church, but your love has fallen. You've lost my presence, says the Lord. You've lost my power. You've fallen. No longer loyal. You don't pray because you've fallen. No time for church because you've fallen. You used to be first in your life, but you've fallen. Remember the love we shared. Remember the power you felt. Now, do your first works over again. Go back to that place where you heard the gospel. Go back to that place where you knelt down to pray. Go back to that day when the tears of repentance flowed down. Repent. I'll reverse your situation. If you will repent, if you will trust me, if you want to go higher, if you want to show your love for me, praise me, worship me, glorify my name, repent for your sins, fall down before God, call out for his help. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. Lord, we love you. Lord, we seek you with all of our heart, with all of our might. Dear Lord, fill us with your might. Fill us with your anointing. Let your power rest upon us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Thank God. Amen and amen.